I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Going to open the show by talking about signs that you are healing and uh, depending on how much time we have, we might get into something that I've been ready to bring to y'all, sitting on it for a while. Uh, things that uh, people have said they wish their opposite gendered partner would stop doing sexually. So if we have time, we'll talk about that. And if not tonight, then we'll get to it tomorrow. It's a little bit of a tease for later in the show and also possibly for tomorrow's show. Got to give you those cliffhangers. I think I just give it right away, you know? Got to kind of get better about slowing that down. Uh, DMs, always open. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want covered. So listen, we're all doing our work. It's been a bumpy couple of years and uh, doesn't mean that while we were dealing with all the things that came out of COVID, financial insecurity, uh, job insecurity, relationships ebbing and flowing and starting and ending, so much was going on. And, you know, as I always preach on the show, we've got to be looking out for our mental health. And we always have to be invested in doing the work. And I want to kind of talk about what are some what are some signs that you are actually starting to do the work and apply it? You know, when we first step into it, we have to just have consciousness of what it is we need to be changing or working on. Because if you don't know what you're working on, you're probably not working on anything, you know? And I'll hear people say that very casually. I'm working on myself. And I'm like, that's awesome. What is it you're working on? And then it's like crickets. And I'm like, okay, well then, how do you know whether or not you're doing it or or what it should look like? We have to understand (laughs) behaviorally or cognitively what we're trying to challenge or dismantle or implement or water down. And then the follow-up question after really discussing what it is you're working on. Like, what is the work? It's how is that going? Um, tracking, tracking it consistently. Uh, you know, I've shared with you all the concept of this thing called the observing ego, where there's a part of us that's looking down and watching ourselves and tracking what we're doing. Part of that is our self-worth and self-esteem. It never lets us off the hook. It's always aware of how we're moving through the world. And that matters. It's a core keystone of mental health. So, How do we know that it's starting to work? Because remember, the work can't be on the front end. I want to just always be happy. You know, depression will exist for all of us. Anxiety will exist for all of us. Difficult times and conflict will happen. So it can't be rooted in the elimination of that. That's just part of life. And I explain that to people that are on medications. Please don't think that if you're taking an antidepressant that you will never feel low or sad or depressed. Please don't think if you're taking an anti-anxiety med that you'll never feel anxiety. Um, That is a part of life. These medications are meant to be short-term or for some people longer-term ways to kind of water down the severity. But we still are going to experience things. So I'm talking about signs of healing so that we don't miss some of these moments of transformation or improvement. It's easy to do that when we think, well, if I was truly healing or healed, I wouldn't still be sad or triggered or depressed or unhappy. Remember, we have memory. We have our brains very associative. Uh, We can be healing and getting over. For instance, if one of the things you're working on is getting over a past relationship or a breakup or the death of a loved one, to be reminded of them and in those memories to feel sadness or grief does not mean you haven't healed or moved on. That is part of moving on and healing, but that's also recognizing that we will remember. And when we remember, we will have feelings that are attached and tied to it. So 
that's why it's really important to talk about what healing really is. What is this goal that we're seeking? And different theoretical and philosophical orientations will have different definitions. Um, for me, it's really about us living a life of purpose and meaning while some of these difficult thoughts, memories, and feelings are still occurring around us. We've made room for all of that to exist while still moving forward and being led by our core values and centering our lives and purpose and meaning while still allowing these other peripheral things to be happening. Um, so let's get into some of them. Trusting yourself. I think that's a really important part of healing is a lot of us, if we've done the work, we looked back at who we were as a friend, as a family member, as a romance partner or sex partner, and we've decided that we want to do better. We want to be better. And we've done the difficult work of saying, what parts of myself do I want to leave behind and not take forward? Or what parts of myself do I want to move forward really centering and prioritizing? So trusting ourselves. The more we do that work and monitor ourselves, the more we can be confident in our natural responses and reactions. Because there's a consciousness, there's a thoughtfulness. We've really internalized new skills. A lot of us in the past were like, wow, we really couldn't trust what our impulses were, what our mind told us to do around certain situations because we either weren't aware of ourselves or we didn't have the skills or we didn't have really good role models. And regardless of all that, it's our job as adults that impact those around us to take all that seriously and to try to be better. It's hard work. We don't get to choose the life we've lived in a lot of ways, but yet we have to take responsibility and accountability for being and doing better. There's the uh, conundrum of life, as they say. Uh, all right, we're gonna keep talking about signs of healing. Uh, DMs, always open, so if you've got a question, drop them in there, topics you want covered, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, we are back and we're talking tonight about signs that you are doing the work in your healing. And the reason why it's an important topic is because it's easy to think, oh, it's useless. Therapy's not working. All this work I'm doing on myself, it's not helping because I'm still sad. I'm still depressed. I'm still reminded of that past relationship with that person that is no longer in my life. And I'm feeling sad. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You still are healing. That is part of the journey. Those things don't go away. That is part of humanity. Um, always reminding people in my life that and patients in my practice, just because you remember someone and you feel sad doesn't mean you haven't moved on. Uh, we carry that with us. Just because you're feeling depressed sometimes or anxious, that doesn't mean the therapy, your work, or the medication isn't working. That is part of humanity. We have to make room for that. Hear that. If you walk away from tonight's show with nothing else, hear me say you have to make room for everything while still moving forward and participating in our lives in purposeful and meaningful ways. 
That's what I really zero in on. Someone says, I don't want to be depressed anymore. I say to them, that can't be a treatment goal. I cannot promise that we'll remove depression because that's a part of life. Yes, I would love for our work to result in a better way of uh, managing it, uh, a way of still participating fully in your life while it exists, maybe less severity. That's what our goals can be. How can I still live in my life fully and be a part of this world going after the goals I have while still at times feeling depressed or anxious? That is the therapy goal that I can sign up on. We have to reorient that. I think we, we really think the work is, I want to never be sad, anxious, or depressed. Well, that's not possible. We don't have control over that. But what we do have control over is still being present in our lives while that's occurring, still being the people we want to be while that's occurring, still going after our goals. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about trusting ourselves and how that's a really beautiful sign that you're doing the work, that you have developed into and become the kind of person that you value and feel good about and that you can trust your thinking and you can trust the decisions you make. And people trust you. And I think that's a really, really important marker of having done the psychological work. That's what I always say in air quotes. Whenever I say, I hope you're doing the work, I do the little quotes around it. But people trusting you is also a sign. You're trusting yourself, you're trusting others, and others trusting you. Let's break that down more. Well, you trusting others why does that mean, why, why, how does, and why does and how does that mean that you're doing the work? Well, it tells me that you have started setting and practicing boundaries. If we set boundaries, and we know that we will, and we know that we do, and that after we set them, we also hold them, because remember, boundaries are about not just setting them, but holding them, because we, don't, we do not live in a world where people will be like, ah, oh, thank you for setting that boundary, I'll honor that. No, a lot of people knock it down, try to climb over it, uh, shame us for having it, they try to challenge it, Healthy people will say, got it, you know, but most people aren't like that. So our ability to trust others is a sign that we can trust ourselves. Our ability to trust others is a sign that we practice and set boundaries when we need to and that we take care of ourselves. And so it's a really important indicator because if we trust ourselves, we can do and go anywhere with anyone. Um, it's why I always bring that up as an example when people are frustrated by, you know, their partner being out in the world without them or friends with an ex or whatever these really uh, destabilizing, jealous and triggery examples are, you know, your friend or I'm sorry, your partner going to a place where there's going to be a lot of singles or, you know, a strip club or a bachelor party. If you trust your partner, then they can go anywhere with anyone because nothing that will make you uncomfortable or anything negative can happen within reason. You trust them. They can spend time with anyone anywhere. But if you don't, that's the work, right? But when we trust ourselves, we trust other people. That's how we know that we've internalized that. And as I said, also when people trust us, what a beautiful reflection back that you've done some healing and you've done the work that people are like, I, I think you're a good person. I see it. I feel it. I trust you. So enough about that concept, but I, I love that. And that's what you should seek in your marriage or your relationship, not going through their phone, not asking them who their friends are, not texting them while they're out, you better be behaving. Those are the opposite of trust. The work is on letting go and allowing and letting your partner and your own decisions and behaviors reflect back whether or not they can or you can be trusted. Not policing, not rules. None of those things should be necessary. If it's necessary, that's a sign, again, that either you aren't learning and working on trust or that your partner is not worthy of trust. Because when we trust, we don't need those things in place. And we don't want our trust built upon those things. Because that then means I can't trust you without those things in place. I only trust you because they're in place. That isn't really what we're talking about. <clears throat> so if you can't imagine a world in which all the different important people in your life cannot be trusted, then there's work to do. Um, I love this next one, and because to me, this is really part of the core of mental health, is giving yourself permission to be who you are. I will always say that one of the definitions of mental health is being your total and full self at all times in all spaces with all people, also known as authenticity and essentially liberation. The goal is not conformity, it's not assimilation, though we think that. And all the mental health diagnoses that we have really imply that that you need to be normal to be healthy. That's not true. That's why I don't use diagnostic terms. You've never heard me use them on the show. And when I do, I always hold it loosely. No one's borderline. Some people just meet the traits that we have a culture have decided equals this diagnosis. But there's tons of people <laughs> that are one criteria short and somehow magically aren't. Um, or 
are labeled such a thing, but are really just dealing with trauma or whatever. It's a rough example. Um, because again, we really believe that this idea of mental health is you need to act, think, and move through the world in a certain way, and that's not true. So I know people are doing the work when they're willing to push back on those boundaries, on those definitions, and say, listen, I'm working on feeling okay about who I am and how I am. And I think diagnoses are something we hold on to too tightly. They're metaphors, they're examples, they're syndromes, they're not an actual person. There's more to all of us than these diagnoses. And often we change. Some of those diagnoses are just situational and contextual and we mature out of them. Once a fill in the blank, always a fill in the blank is not true. People grow out of addiction. What looks like addiction, people grow out of all these mental health diagnoses. And sometimes again, they're rooted in systemic or institutional forms of oppression or violence or their trauma responses. And we can be very victimized by them. So when someone's moving through the world, accepting who they are, always open to changing, always aware of how they're impacting others and making adjustments, that's mental health. All right. Coming up next, we're going to keep talking about signs you're healing. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about signs that you're healing, that the work is working, that you're doing it, that you're transforming. Sometimes we look to the wrong things and we're like, if our life isn't perfect or or if we're not completely happy all the time, or if I'm, you know, depressed or anxious at times, well, then it's not working. It's not, I'm not healing. I'm not growing. It's like, whoa, slow down. Those are not the things you should be looking to. So we're kind of going through it. We were talking a lot in the beginning about trust, trusting yourself, trusting others, and others trusting you, and how that's such a beautiful demonstration of growth. People that I work with that are coming out of you know problematic relationships with drugs and alcohol, whoa, that is so powerful for them, where they say, you know, I was one of those people where people didn't feel safe around me, or they didn't trust me, or they didn't feel like they could connect to me. I didn't trust myself. I never knew what I was doing. I felt so chaotic. And now they're seeing these beautiful examples of people wanting to be around them of people feeling safe around them, of people wanting to have relationships with them and trusting them and their their minds are blown. I want us all to be able to have our own moments of that where we're working hard on boundaries or self-care or we're trying to improve our relationship or communication skills or we're trying to get more confident in our eroticism or our gender, whatever it might be. I want us to be able to really celebrate our successes. We need to celebrate our successes more. I remember talking really powerfully and poignantly in a way that was meaningful to me about how I want people to be able to celebrate themselves more publicly. It's not being cocky. Yes, cockiness exists, but to say I'm really proud of something that happened today, I wanna share this and put it on your Facebook or your Twitter is a really beautiful thing. I want us to be able to do that. But at least tonight, I want us to be able to celebrate signs that we're doing the work and we're healing. So that trust factor is massive. The other one is giving yourself permission to be who you are. We often get really hung up in diagnoses, I'm an addict, I'm borderline, all these different things. Um, I'm a depressive. And not only are they often self-fulfilling, they sometimes don't allow us to see that we're more than that. And that there's times where that is just an exception or it's just a bleep on the screen and that we can be more than that. Um, That's why I'm very thoughtful about using diagnoses because some people just really buy into that and they become stigmatized and they start to shame themselves and they only see things through that lens. And uh, it really erodes at their self-worth and their mental health. I want people to really start to first work on, on, on being accepting of who they are and making room for who they are. This is beautiful work that comes out of the field of neurodiversity, which I'm a big fan of. And it says, and you'll see this in my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Both of my books really come from a neurodiversity framework, which is getting away from ableism. And it's rooted in disability rights and feminism. And all of that really coalesces to say, there's no right way to be. There's no right brain to have. No one has this magical brain that we're all trying to get. And you can move through the world in the way you want. You can move through the world slow or fast. You can move through the world with more energy, less energy. You can be highly social, less social. And all of those concepts are things that we used to pathologize. Don't move too fast. Don't move too slow. Don't be too social. Don't be uh, not social enough. We really don't like anyone who's unruly. We want you to have a certain kind of body, a certain kind of brain, certain kind of energy level, certain level of socialization. Those are all social constructs. Every culture around the world looks at them very differently. Some places honor more introversion where we kind of shame that and we think you should be highly social enough, tons of friends or something's wrong. Other cultures don't see it that way. They're all about being quieter, less, less social contact. We're obsessed in America with people 
making neurotypical forms of engagement where you make eye contact. Other countries, it is actually seen as aggressive if you're making a lot of eye contact. But over here, if someone falls on the continuum of autism, we essentially force them into performing what we deem to be wellness and neurotypical ways of being, and we force them to make eye contact. We force them to communicate in the ways that we communicate, not honoring that there's a diverse way of communicating and that all these different diverse subcultures of neurologies have their own beauty and value. Um, I was also really inspired by the work in the non-hearing world where they said being deaf isn't a disability or a limitation, it's a difference. And a lot of people don't want cochlear implants. They don't want to hear. They speak a different language, a sign language, and that there's strengths to that. And it's called deaf gain, the gain of being deaf. And I really love that because that's really about mental health at its core saying, I'm not broken, I'm not disordered, I'm different. That's gonna have strengths, it's also gonna have limitations. And deciding how you wanna manage that, but not having any of that forced upon you or, or having you shamed. It's a really powerful construct that I think can heal a lot of us. It's also why I'm opposed to definitions like love addiction and sex addiction. Not only are they not real diagnoses, they've been rejected by the diagnostic manual. Anyone using those words is using whatever definition they made up because there's no universal definitions. And more importantly, they tend to shame people that are a little too romantically focused or uh, maybe hypersexual or diversely sexual. And it's an attempt to normalize and no one needs to be normal. Yes, I want people to feel good about how they're moving through the world relationally and sexually, but there's no right way. Everyone has to individually develop their own definitions of that. That's about authenticity. And in our culture where we shame anything that's too fast, too loud, too sexual, not sexual enough, too focused on relationship, not relationally driven enough, it's a beautiful act of self-worth and mental health to say, I'm good as I am. I'm allowed to be unruly. I'm allowed to be too much or a little too little. I had that as a child. Luckily, I had parents that were like, we're not calling him ADHD. We're not putting him on meds. Chris has tons of energy, and we're going to help him learn to work with that. We're not going to shame it. It's not a deficit. It's a strength, you know? All right, take a little break. Do some DMs. Stick around for that. Got a question for us? Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Chris, my name is Donna, and I have a twin. I say that because I'm starting to realize that uh, sometimes I have difficulty when I need to be on my own and alone. Uh, there are times when I've gone from one relationship to another, and it often feels like maybe I'm moving too fast. Is this normal, and is this part of being a twin? I, I, I love questions like this, questions that are about people just trying to figure out if how they're moving through the world is okay and healthy and acceptable. So we start broad. There's no right way to move through relationships. All I care about is you looking out for your mental health and the, men and the mental health of those that you're relating to. And if everyone's on the same page, well, then all is well. There is no correct speed with which to move through a relationship. Not at all. Some people move faster. Some people move slower. I tend to move very fast. I'm very confident. I'm very decisive. Um, my mind moves quickly. I like to be all in when I'm interested in because I trust that if and when I realize something needs to be discussed, a boundary needs to be set, or I need to exit, I know that I will do that. Other people like to take their time. Maybe they're more avoidant. Maybe they're more anxious. Maybe they have other priorities or responsibilities. Maybe they have uncertainty. Be where you are. As long as you are taking care of yourself and you're considering the impact you're having on others and there's open communication, do you be you? Now, is that a result of being a twin? I don't know. There's no way to know. And it doesn't really matter because there's nothing wrong with what you're doing and kind of how you're living and moving through the world. Uh, we got another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've been with my boyfriend for three years. We got a strong, healthy partnership, but recently I've been feeling like we're kind of getting flat and complacent, sexually mainly. Do you have any ways to shake this up? I sure do. Um, remember, uh, getting into habits and patterns is usually one of the number one reasons. Also, so is not trying to bring new novel experiences into our relationship, and I mean that sexually and non-sexually. We tend to get in patterns and habits. We'll have sex in the same ways at the same time. We'll start this way. We'll end that way. You'll initiate or I'll initiate. Uh, Friday night's always this. But all of that leads to some flatness and boredom. And the beauty of that is just the smallest shift, change, or tweak can change all of it. Start by having sex at different times. Touching and utilizing different body parts. 
don't always start and end with the same behaviors or activities. Whatever step three is, start with step three and end with step one. Not every sex act has to be penetrative, involve the genitals, or lead to orgasm. Same thing with our time together as a relationship. Shift and change. Go do new things together out in the world. That is the most powerful, impactful thing you can do is new experiences with each other that you can come home and then still share. So take a class, go drive to a different city, check out different restaurants, you know, shift what you do and when you do it. All of those things will add some new energy to the relationship. Take advantage of that. The smallest shift, the smallest shift. That's what I love. It doesn't have to be these big dramatic acts in the relationship or in our sex lives that create the energy and and fun and, um, you know, higher arousal. It's the small things. Slow down. Take your time. Be more present with each other. There's nowhere you're rushing off to. Sex should be playful and fun. There's no goal. <laughs> you know, unless you have someone coming home at a certain time, there's no time frame. Or you can say, let's as a couple go online or go to a sex boutique and look around and find something interesting, find something fun, find something dynamic, and we can incorporate that in. But often it's just about smaller changes and slowing down. And like I said, apply that to your non-sexual life as well. Different restaurants, different people, different scenarios, different events, and all these things can be free. That That's the beautiful thing is Google interesting things about your town or your city. I've been in LA now for 15 years and there's still so much of it that's unexplored. Step into that and take advantage of that. Newness and novelty is such a powerful reorientation. So uh, take advantage of that. All right, (laughs) y'all. Coming up, we're going to get back to talking about all the ways to uh, see that you're doing the work, making sure you're in the work, doing the work, seeking transformation. But if you got a DM for us, a question you want answered or a topic you want us to cover, something you want us to circle back to, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, and then you can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff. We've got a lot of unlearning and relearning to do. But um, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we're back. And tonight we're talking about signs you're healing. We live in a world that is so obsessed with outcomes and goals and productivity and being normal and milestones. And it's like, oh my God, that's exhausting. And those are all arbitrary. And different cultures and different subcultures have different ways of defining all of those things. And I want us to take a moment to celebrate that we're healing and we're doing the work and we're transforming ourselves based on what makes sense and what's important to us, not to others. And we were talking a lot about trust, that it's a really beautiful sign when you trust yourself and also when you're able to trust others, because that means you've chosen to be around the right people, you've removed toxic people, and you're setting boundaries and holding them. And that means we can be in the world around anyone. And people are trusting us, which is also a beautiful sign. Talking a lot also about giving yourself permission to be who you are and all the diverse, queer, radical, weird ways that we exist. All of us are. No one is normal. But yet there's the tyranny of this attempt to be normal, to move normally, think normally, be gendered normally, to have sex normally. That isn't the goal. The goal is for you to get confidence in who you are, pay attention to how you impact others, and kind of be guided by that. Um, what are some other signs? Um, just the willingness to examine yourself. So many people are moving through the world with their head down unconsciously, just recreating the same patterns, never stopping to say, what am I doing? What do I need to do differently? So just the fact that people are doing the work, they're in therapy, they're meditating, they're journaling, uh, they're reading self-help books, they're working on things, they're part of a 12-step program, whatever, uh, they're part of a spiritual program. There's so many different ways to access improvement. And as I'm always advocating for, take less time at less time at the gym, y'all, and more time working on the mind and the emotions and, and the spirituality. Uh, maybe turn off the TV early and start doing some of that. Take a day off from the gym and start doing some of that. I mean, at least, in the very least, I wish we could do more of that. Um, A really big sign of maturity, though, in healing is when we start to take responsibility for ourselves. 
I've kind of shared with you before on the show how I know a couple's doing really good work therapeutically when they start sessions by saying, let me share with you, Dr. Chris, what I'm working on, what I've done that I'm proud of this week or what I'm not proud of this week and how I really did drop the ball. They're self-aware and they're self-focused. They're not coming in saying, let me tell you what my partner did because they realize that that's their partner's journey and they realize that they have to first work on themselves because they're part of a system and everything they do impacts their partner. Yes, by us being better, inherently our partner is forced to change because they're relating to someone different. We're putting different things into that system or we're taking toxic things out. Inherently it changes everything. It's why there's a high rate of divorce and breakups in sobriety because someone gets sober and they go back to their family, friends, and relationship and they want better for themselves and they no longer will be in toxic, unhealthy things and they exit or they realize the things we bonded over aren't important to me, or our lives and our relationship is rooted in partying and drugs and alcohol, whatever it is. That's a really beautiful thing, and I want all of us to do that. And that's a great sign that we're healing. We're taking responsibility for what we're doing, because I've said this before, I'm editing a tape, and I'm only watching and listening to you, and you're accountable to everything you say and do. I don't care what they just said or did. You are never let off the hook for your bad behavior, ever. There's never a good reason. So there's a piece of that where you're taking responsibility and you're also taking into account, ready for this one, the way those around you impact you. We are at the mercy of those systems. We are a vacuum and a sponge and we're absorbing from everything around us. It's a hard thing to do to really pay attention to the way we're impacted by social media, the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the conversations we'll allow to be had around us or the ones we participate in, the languaging that we surrender ourselves, center ourselves around, the relationships we're a part of, all of that matters. And when people say, listen, I need to elevate my social group by trying to say to them all, let's be better and healthier or finding better and healthier. And the way that people start not, uh, this is a huge radical one, not watching some of that really horrible television that's instilling really bad values. Um, and most of it is the popular shows that are rooted in materialism, how you look, what you own, how much money you spend. Some of these shows are just about that. Watch how famous and wealthy I am. That's literally the mission statement of some of these shows. That's not healthy for us because that's not actually what brings happiness. As you'll see, those people are miserable. And I work with some of those people. They're miserable. Money and wealth and fame do not equal and equate to happiness. Yes, we can see where it can bring us joy and it can improve the quality of our lives, but it's really, really about the purpose and the meaning and the relationships you have. So when we start to take responsibility for what's around us and ourselves, all of that begins to shift, but it's really difficult work because it's very, at times, countercultural. But we have to pay attention to that. I've had to say to some clients, you will never be able to achieve your goals and get mentally healthy while still being around those people because they are toxic. The things they say, the things they value, the way they, the way they talk about people, the way they talk to and about you will never allow you to exist in a healthy way. Not possible. And that's a very difficult thing to have to rub up against. But that is just part of the work sometimes. You have to be honest about that. You have to be accountable to that. And you have to pay attention to that. That's huge. And that's very hard. And that takes a lot of courage and bravery. But that that would be truly an act of self-care and mental health. Um, all right, we're gonna take a we're gonna take some time and um coming up next, we're gonna keep talking about signs or healing. So this is both an example of hey, let's celebrate what we're doing and also a little bit of a call out where I'm saying if you're not, you need to start because this stuff matters. And then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking tonight about signs that you're healing, signs that you're doing the work, but also indirectly kind of pointing out what the work is. You know what I mean? So this is the challenge to be doing this. We're talking a lot about trust, trusting yourself, trusting others, others trusting you. What a beautiful sign. We're setting boundaries. We're taking care of ourselves. We've earned respect. Also permission that you've given yourself to be your total self, your total and full self at all times and all places around all people. What a beautiful, radical act of self-love and also authenticity. Talking about taking responsibility for your words and your actions, knowing that regardless of what's happened, how you manage it, what you say, what you do falls on you speaks to your mental health, speaks to how safe you are to be brought around people. I'm gonna start saying it like that, to be brought around people. Are you safe enough to be brought out into the world? Are you safe enough to be brought into someone's life because they start dating you or bring you into their social world? How safe are you? How healthy are you? Because you being brought in impacts. I say it all the time. Make sure your presence in other people's lives makes their life better, not worse. We wanna start there. 
We want to assess how others are impacting us, but we want to assess how we are impacting others equally. Put a focus on that. Um, setting boundaries. We kind of talked about that a little bit in um, the sense of trust, but setting boundaries and respecting boundaries. And I think we have to work on respecting others' boundaries. When someone says no, we have to be willing to hear that. Uh, we don't want to fight it. We don't want to make it about us. We have to be a little more familiar with saying, okay, someone says, hey, I know I told you I'd pick you up at the airport. Unfortunately, things have changed. My child's sick. I can't. The answer should be, okay. Or I'm sorry, thank you for the invite to your wedding. I don't have the finances to get childcare, get an airplane, get an, get a tux, and also get a gift. I can't take the week, the, the time off from work. Our response has to be, okay, they're setting a boundary with you. You don't have to like it. Boundaries aren't about whether or not you like it. And whether or not you like it or not has nothing to do with how you should respond. The answer should always be, okay, I hear you. And if you don't like it as their friend or whoever, if it's appropriate, you can later process that. Like, hey, can we talk about how that felt? If that's even necessary, but we're not great at boundaries. Um, and we often feel like we have to over explain. And I think that that's part of a poor boundary is saying, sometimes it's reasonable to maybe explain so someone doesn't personalize and they understand why you're saying or doing what you're doing. So I do wanna hold room for humanity, but there's also a world in which we shouldn't have to say much more than unfortunately I can't make it. Something has come up, you know, please enjoy and all the best. Let's talk later next week or whatever it is. I don't want people to think you always have to explain or defend yourself. And the more information you give, the more defending you need, even with something like calling out of work, just say, unfortunately, I'm not able to make it into work. I'm not well. Thank you. <laughs> we shouldn't have to defend or explain our health to anyone. That's the kind of world I want us to create and be a part of that. We hear that and we say, got it. I remember during COVID listening, looking at some um, reddits that people were sending me about bosses and what they were demanding and expecting, even during like a freaking pandemic when people are dying and they're worried about their health and their safety. It's kind of gross where we're always putting products and productivity before people and their mental health and their physical health. Dear God, we have that backwards. Um, and then some of these businesses are so surprised as to why no one wants to work for them. You don't have a right to employees. You earn employees by being a good employer, offering salaries and benefits and taking care of them. And if you don't do that, then you don't deserve to run a business. And then you should go work for someone. And if you don't want to work for someone, well, then you understand. You understand what other people don't want to step into, you know? And so we have to be better about that. Honoring boundaries, setting boundaries, hearing boundaries. I, I got to tell you, that's something that shows up in my work with everyone I work with. And we've done a whole show on it. I'll circle back and do a whole nother one. What do boundaries look like? How do we set them? Because we still don't quite have it down. And I'll say this again. I think I was mentioning this last week. We have two. There's a boundary that protects other people from us and one that protects us from other people. There's two. So I have one in place so that I'm moving through the world and other people aren't negatively impacting me. But then there's that other one where I make sure I'm not negatively impacting people. And so if I'm just going around popping off at the mouth, saying what I want, telling it like it is, well, then I have bad boundaries. I'm just leaking all over, harming people. And again, it's at times of conflict, difficulty, and breakups <laughs> where we really get to see these poor boundaries at play. We think I'm no longer accountable or responsible for what I'm doing because I'm sad or I've been broken up with or let down. I don't know where that idea came from, but that is not true. You are always held accountable to what you're saying and doing and how you impact others. There's no free pass. Oh, they broke up with you, free pass. That's not a real thing. Oh, you don't work with them any longer, free pass. That is not a real thing. I've seen employees get fired that put the business unfairly and, un and unnecessarily on blast. That tells the world that that person is dangerous and has bad boundaries, even outside of the professional world because they're showing you I don't deal with disappointment well. Um, unless an injustice has occurred. If there's an injustice or violence or abuse, get loud, make some good trouble, speak up. But I'm talking about disappointments and frustration. Someone broke up with you. You were laid off from a job that wasn't right for you. You have good boundaries and be very thoughtful about what you do next. That matters. That is part of your mental health. Um, see some other ones. I have a long list. And I think those are all really beautiful. Um, let's go to self-acceptance. I think that's awesome too. Signs of healing, uh, accepting who you are. And I was talking earlier in tonight's show about neurodiversity and the disability rights movement, this whole idea that there's no right way to think, move, look, or be, but we do believe that everyone should have 
everyone should be walking and everyone should be hearing and everyone should be moving at a certain pace and everyone should be a certain, have a certain level of socialization. Those are all social constructs which change from culture to culture. And the work is really about saying, I have to learn to accept who I am and stop battling and struggling with myself. This comes up a lot with aging this whole idea of anti-aging, that we can be opposed to this natural healthy process that not everyone is even gifted. What a gift that you get to be around longer and longer for those that want to be. That's beautiful. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We should take pride in, in all that comes with aging. We don't. We have to get away from this decline narrative that it's all downhill and it gets worse. That's horrible. That's a horrifying way to look at it. Um, let's take a break and we'll come back and, and kind of pick up on that one. DMs as well. So if you got a DM, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, whatnot. Um, otherwise, stick around though, because we'll be uh, coming back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're uh, just kind of finishing up our discussion about um, signs that we're healing. And before the break, I was talking about aging and how we can't be and shouldn't be anti a natural healthy process that is a gift that a lot of people don't even get to be a part of. Not everyone gets to age and be around for longer periods of time. What a beautiful thing. And we don't have to align with this decline narrative that it's always bad, it's always worse, things are horrible. Um, we're working on accepting ourselves and that's a part of it, accepting your body as it grows and changes with ability and disability, with age, and all sorts of, all sorts of other factors. Um, we have to be willing to kind of loosen and let go of this idea that we have as to how we have to be and live in order to be desirable and have worth and value. Um, we often tie ourselves to things that will change and that are not sustainable and that are outside of us, like our position at work or our finances or some of our material possessions or our youth or our beauty. All of that is not sustainable and you cannot keep that. And so we have to hold those things loosely. Sure, enjoy those privileges when and where you can. Use them to empower you to help you know lift while you climb and undo some of the oppression and whatnot of those around you. Um, but we can't live and die by it because I work with some clients where, wow, when they lose those few things that are outside of them that weren't sustainable, that give them worth and value, you better believe that there's a heavy load of depression, anxiety, worthlessness, and maybe addiction that comes right along. And so part of that work is accepting what's possible and who we are and how do we move through the world as we are doing our best. Um, we're talking again about signs that we're healing and we're doing the work, and that's part of it. Um, I love this one, offering compassion to yourself when you make mistakes. Those are learning lessons, and we need to get away from tying our worth to our productivity and our achievement of goals because that 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 uh, goal line is always getting pushed back. That's the that's the detriment of goals is there's always another one, and we have this idea that we always should be doing more. What are you working on? Nothing. Nothing, stop working on things. Even though that sounds counter counterintuitive to what I'm talking about tonight, the work is on transforming ourselves, right? And, and working on ourselves, but we're not, we're not setting these pressurized goals that tie our worth to the achievement of this. We're doing this because we like how it makes us feel. We do this because it's our ethics and we wanna make the world and others feel better. Uh, but we're not stringently setting these goals and determining our worth based on whether or not they're achieved because this is ongoing open-ended work that never stops. We're in it. We never get there. And so we just have to kind of soften into the journey and take it seriously, um, but but not, not, not take it too seriously. And that's always that, that tension of how do we work on self-improvement while not being so goal-oriented that our self-worth is tied to the achievement of these things. And that's why I'm such a fan of leisure and a fan of more pleasure and a fan of more rest. I want us to work on that. And that's actually the antithesis of what we really center in our culture and harms us. And I love this other one, signs that you're healing. When we start to, ready for this one? Imagine this, speak to and about ourselves to ourselves and others with kindness and respect. We don't often do that because again, like I was saying earlier in the show, we don't feel good celebrating our successes publicly. It feels too vulnerable, it feels obnoxious. Um, we have to get better at complimenting others. I always say, if you think something, offer it to them, but we also have to do that for ourselves. 
it's really hard. I, I think I shared this anecdote a long time ago on the show, but I worked at this treatment program where we had a protocol and every therapy session was supposed to be started by having the client say and share three things that they value about themselves. And it was a very difficult thing for a lot of people to do, uh, to both think in those terms, but also share that with another person. Ah, oh, heartbreaking. I want that to be familiar to us, giving and receiving compliments to others and to ourselves. Um, I went through a phase of my life where I, I, it was such a powerful moment. Um, I remember someone complimenting me at a party, a, a suit that I was wearing, and I wasn't able to just stand there and receive it. And I started to kind of like defend it away almost like, oh, well, this isn't really even my suit. And I was like, oh my God, just stand there and say, thank you. Allow that attention, internalize that, feel comfortable and confident being celebrated. And that's why I'm really excited when friends post on their social media. I'm really proud about my book that's coming out. I'm really proud about, you know, something that happened at work. I'm really proud about something I'm working on or what whatever it even is as menial or as major it doesn't matter i just love the process of them publicly complimenting themselves let's normalize some of that that's awesome we have to, we want to afford that and celebrate that with others but also with ourselves um let's kind of find one more i want to find a really good one to end on although that's really hard because <laughs> um, I think those are all good. The trust, the accepting yourself, taking responsibility for your words and actions, setting boundaries, honoring boundaries of others. Um, I like this one, offering compassion when you make mistakes, letting them be learning moments, um, giving ourselves grace to be a human, the grace of humanity. I'm always trying to offer that to others, normalize that. Um, all right, y'all. We're gonna come back and do some DMs. So as always, if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, or a question you got, something that someone else might be wondering as well. So as you help yourself, you're also helping them. So put it in there. And then past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it, and then you can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, we'll be back though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. My name is Christine. I am 18 years old and I'm living in Texas. I have a best friend. And for the last four years, we have done everything together. Love that. Sometimes, though, I feel like we're more than friends. Bum, 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 bum. I feel like we're more than friends. I feel like sometimes she makes me nervous and it's exciting when she texts. I want to talk to her about it. I'm not sure it'll ruin our friendship. Um, I'm on the side of not bringing it up. And some people don't agree with that. But I don't think we should, in bringing it up, saying, I think I have feelings for you. You know, maybe we're more than friends. You're prioritizing romance over friendship. And I don't think that that always should be prioritized like that. In fact, it can be really um, uncomfortable and can feel very unsafe for some people to be told that what they thought was a friendship wasn't. And they can kind of feel like you're backdooring your way into something or taking advantage, or maybe they're excited to hear they have a crush on them. So it really becomes a question of what's more of a priority for you. Uh, I think we should give romance a shot when possible, but I don't think we should do it at all costs. And I don't know if it's worth possibly losing your friend because essentially you say to them, I have feelings for you. Um, so I guess my first question is how likely is it that they have feelings back? Is it just that you really enjoy them as a friend and you're very excited? Okay. We don't always need to try to get more of something. And that's in there as well. Well, if friends is great, it wouldn't be even better if we were romantic. No, that's not necessarily true. In fact, friendship is the most stable configuration because of how we run our romantic relationships. The minute you become a romantic partner, we now put odd restrictions on you. We have heightened sensitivity. Our whole relationship is oriented. So what am I saying? I'm saying a couple things. Value your friendship enough to preserve it. Because if you're saying, I want to try to make it romantic, you're saying, I don't value our friendship that much. Number two, you're also saying, I'm willing to risk losing you 
in the hopes of having romance and sex with you. Um, because I realized that if we kept our friendship as it is, we are together forever. But if we slide into romance, it might not work. And I risk losing you. And you're also saying that our friendship doesn't mean as much as finding out what it's like to be with you romantically, because I promise you, it is not the same thing. You cannot say that, well, for friends, and that's going well, and we become romantic partners. We're just adding romance, so it's the same thing, but more added. No, not at all. The way you relate as friends will be completely reorganized if you relate as romantic partners, and it is not promised to still work. Hear me say that. When friends become lovers, it is not necessarily something that's going to be better, improved, or work. It works as friends because you're friends and you're giving it friend energy and friend expectations. And unfortunately, when we become romantic partners, the expectations change. And sometimes we don't like each other anymore. We don't like what we co-create as romantic partners. So don't think that because it works as friends, it will work with romance as well. So you have to decide if this person means a lot to you, the most stable way to keep them in your life with longevity is to just stay as friends. That's the way to really honor how much you care about them is to change nothing because becoming romance partners might ruin it. And it's also saying that romance means more and you're willing to risk it, which is fair if that's where you're at. And you might lose them all together if they're saying, I only want to be your friend. And now I'm uncomfortable being your friend because you've been kind of misusing our friendship in some way by romanticizing me. There's a lot of risks in that. I don't think it's always worth it. Um, but you have to decide in that hierarchy what means most to you and then what you want to do as a result of that. So sit and think about that, make decisions based on that. But there's a little bit of a warning. I've seen some people think it's just going to be better, you know, and it's like, no, you are transitioning into a totally different structure with different expectations. I don't think it should be that way. I think we should treat our partners more like we treat our friends with a little freedom, loosening the grip, giving them more grace. Um, more kindness, but somehow when they become a romantic partner, we put the pressure, we try to own them and possess them. We shrink their world down and we want to control. We want our jealousy and our anxieties to be protected and prioritized at all costs. We want to be the most important thing in their life to the detriment of everything else. It's not always good. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, let us know. And uh, past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Spend the rest of your night being kind to yourselves, kind to those around you. Tons of self-care, tons of rest. Thanks for hanging out, y'all, and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.